0: Hey, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh alongside my beautiful wife, Joanna. We have the privilege of pastoring this incredible church, Lighthouse Church, North Carolina. Let's give it up for everyone who calls this church their home. I'm going to get into the word, but before I do, I just have to say this. A few weeks ago, um, I was out on a run and And God talks to me a lot when I'm out there on runs. I think people, I I don't run to lose weight. I I run to talk to God. (laughs) And um, I really felt him tell me that as we head into the fall, we needed to really focus on the families here at Lighthouse Church. I just felt like God was saying fall is for the families. Now, I know when you're fanning yourself right now, you're thinking like, fall what, Pastor Josh? It is so hot. What do you mean Fall. Um, but the kids are going back to school this week and that is the transition where we start making our way towards fall and I just felt like God was telling me to, to, to really, really lean in on families because, because here's the truth, Lighthouse. Here's the truth. If families are broken, communities are broken. If families are broken, the church is broken. If families are broken, cities are broken. And, and so it, it feels so important that we've got to get the family right. Right. And that's why we're doing this series. I know it sounds strong raising G-rated kids in an X-rated world, but we cannot afford to get the family wrong. And so over the next few weeks, I got a lot of information to share, more than I've got time to share it. So keep coming back every week. Keep inviting people to come with you. Keep bringing friends and family with you. And each week we're gonna build on our messages. And today I wanna get things started. Uh, but I do want to pray before we do I want us to have a posture that says God speak to me I'm going to say some things and I don't want you saying Oh, he's talking to my neighbor No, he's talking, I'm talking to you And if you're thinking, well pastor I don't have any kids Yet Yet I want you to lean in and really receive Earlier today after the first service I Had a couple say, this one is hard Because we want kids and it's not been easy Counsel them to Start writing down notes as if you had the kids. Take on a posture that it's coming. Take on a posture that it's going to happen soon. And so with that in mind, I just want everyone to open up your hearts and minds. I'm going to try to talk to mom and dad and your kid at the same time if that's okay. I want to talk to the kids in the room too so I don't want all the kids thinking I can just zoom out and start looking at TikTok videos. i want to talk to you too, all right? So we're gonna be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit every angle here because here's one thing I know about raising children it takes a tribe to raise a child so even if you're like my kids are gone you got grandkids okay there's something for everybody and uh, so I want to pray that our hearts and minds are receptive to what God wants to say y'all ready let's pray together father in the name of Jesus I pray right now God that you would open up every heart that you would open up every mind that we would be receptive ready to receive all that you have for us And God, I pray that as these seeds go forward today and as I speak to this larger audience, that you would speak to each person on an individual level, Father, would you speak to every person in a unique way, in a way that only your spirit can do. And God, as we hear your word, I pray that it would compel us, it would cause us to do your word. That we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word also. So Father, we open up our hearts and our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray amen hey go with me to my favorite book in the bible joshua chapter one stay standing i'm gonna read a few verses then i'm gonna seat you joshua chapter one we're gonna read the first six verses and then i'll seat you it reads as follows after the death of moses the servant of the lord the lord said to joshua son of nun moses aide moses my servant is dead now then you and all these people get ready to cross the jordan river into the land i'm about to give them to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend it will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Key verse right here. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this simple thought that I'm calling fight for your family. Fight for your family. You may be seated. I'm going to say a name and I'm just curious to know how many are familiar with the person named Pat Tillman? Anybody familiar with Pat Tillman? For those who don't know the story, let me give you the story. Pat Tillman was a safety for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I know the NFL season just started, and some of y'all are looking at me like, you already talking about football, Pastor Josh? How many excited that football's back? <laughs> and so Pat Tillman was an NFL safety, and um, he had one of the best seasons of his career, and he was getting ready to sign a multi-million dollar contract uh, to continue to play a few more seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. But right as that was getting ready to happen, 9-11 struck. And you guys remember the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Pat Tillman, this athlete who was getting ready to become a multi-millionaire, getting ready to just have money to provide for maybe generations, decided he was gonna retire from the NFL. He was so compelled by what he had witnessed on 9-11 that he enlisted into the military. You guys familiar with the story? He enlisted into the military, eventually going on to become an army ranger. And as an army ranger, he was leading troops in Afghanistan and um, during that war that we all remember. And he ended up being killed in combat. Now, now this was a very sad day for our country. I don't know about you, but I remember getting the news that Pat Tillman, this man who selflessly laid down not only just millions of dollars but laid down his life to go and serve his country had been killed in combat that that shook me what what happened later though was after the investigation they learned that he had been killed by friendly fire now i don't understand that term friendly fire because there's nothing friendly about it friendly fire is when you're killed in combat by your own country it's an accident it's inadvertent and, and, and when that news broke it was even more disheartening. It, was, it made the information that much more tragic that he had been killed due to friendly fire. And, and the reason I want to talk about friendly fire and recall that story, and I'm going to come back to it in just a minute, is in the same way, I think there are families that are shooting at each other and there are families killing themselves in what we call friendly fire. You're on the same team, you're on the same home, and yet... We're killing our own. And, and so we've got to get this family unit right. So, in the book of Joshua, we get to this part in the scripture where Joshua has now taken over the leadership of the children of God, the children of Israel. Joshua's getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, 40 years, everybody say 40 years. 40 years, 40 years before this happened, Joshua was with a group of 12 spies all of the nation of Israel had just left Egypt and now they were in the wilderness getting ready to enter into the promised land and these 12 spies were sent by Moses to go look at the promised land. Ten came back and said, there is no way we can take the land. The people in Canaan, that's, what the, that's the promised land, the people in Canaan are huge. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. But Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can take them. I know that we can do this. I know that we can enter into the promised land. Well, because the 10 came back with a bad report and they didn't just have a bad report. They started gossiping and murmuring. The Bible said they spread fear amongst the people of israel that's why gossip is so toxic and if people are talking to you and about someone else just get away from that okay toxic no good no bueno so so these people just started spreading little murmuring and and gossip amongst the tribe and so what god ended up doing because they lost their faith in his ability to take them into the promised land god said okay i won't take any of you in as a matter of fact i'm gonna let this whole unbelieving generation die in the wilderness and not see the promised land so they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years for 40 years they were wandering in the wilderness i'm only 41 years old so like my whole adult life they were wandering like, they just were wandering it's a long time to wander over unbelief so now we get to joshua one okay now we get to joshua Jock was in charge and the word of the Lord says, okay, Joshua, now it's time for you to lead the children of the Lord into the promised land. I can think for a second the way Joshua must have been feeling right now. He probably was remembering just how sweet the honey was in Canaan. Just how nice the grapes tasted in Canaan. Just how creamy the milk was in Canaan. He's excited. He's ready to go. And then the word of the Lord says, but you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. Now, you might be wondering, why, why that? Why strong and why courageous? Because here's what God knew that Joshua didn't know. When they got into the promised land, they would have to fight for seven years. Somebody say seven years. Seven years of nonstop fighting in order to possess the promised land. After seven years of fighting, it would take Joshua another roughly 24 years to kind of govern that place and set up governance and and set up infrastructure and organize the tribes and where they would all settle joshua would lead for almost 30 years uh the the children of israel but for the next seven years they were going to fight for the next seven years it was going to be a struggle for the next seven years joshua was getting ready to step into a fight now this was his promised land he had visions of milk and honey and grapes, and it's going to be easy, and we're finally there. But once Joshua got to his promised land, it was going to be a struggle. Now, let me parallel that with parenting. Because I don't know about you, but, but my, my wife and I, when we started talking about having a family, when we started thinking about having a family, oh, we were so excited about our family. Like, we would talk about trips that we wanted to take with our kids. We would, before we had kids, because it was seven years of just the two of us and then Jaden showed up. Um, but for the seven years, we'd go visit a place and we'd say, oh, we're definitely coming back here when we have kids. Any parents ever do that? Any parents ever like start thinking about the family in advance? I remember I had never been to Washington, D.C. My wife and I, we went to D.C. And what were we saying? Oh, I can't wait to come back here with my kids one of these days. Didn't have kids, but we talked about We were excited about having kids how many of you know what i'm talking about about that that excitement before having kids we we even listen this is how excited we were for our family we had a name for our baby girl (laughs) if you're laughing that's because they know we have three boys god did not give us a girl but listen we had the name picked out we were going to call our baby girl Janelle, and then we had a son, and it was Jade, and then we had another one, it was Jude, and then we had another one, it was Jackson, and then we stopped. We said, okay, clearly I can't make a girl, all right? It's all my fault. I can't make a girl. We're done. But, but we were looking forward to the day that we would have a family. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You were looking forward to the day that you'd have a family. You envisioned, you know, taking your son to sports. You envisioned sitting down and they would watch movies with you. You envisioned how life would be when your kids came, and then they came. And, and, and you thought that they were, gonna be the, the, they, you thought they were gonna be the stud on their sports team, and they don't even like sports. You had these visions of what it would be, mommy-daughter shopping sprees, and she don't like it. You, you had these dreams that we were all gonna sit down and watch the same show, and they don't like your show. So instead of watching your show, you're watching VeggieTales, or whatever it is the kids are watching these days. And instead of sitting down and watching Denzel, you're hearing about celery and broccoli, and it's gotta be VeggieTales. Thank you. (laughs) That was my, that that was, all we watched with Jada was VeggieTales. You know, it was nonstop VeggieTales. And for some of you, you couldn't wait for your kids to come, and now that they're here, all you're doing is fighting with them. All it is is fighting with them. This was supposed to be your promised land, and all you're doing in your promised land Is fighting. I want to talk to you today, to all the parents that are there in the fight. I want to talk to you about what do you do when your promised land looks nothing like you thought how it was gonna look. Let me give you a few things to write down. I'm not gonna be long, but I got three things that I want to hit you with. Number one, mom and dad, listen to me. You are not fighting with your kids, you are fighting for your kids. Say that one more time. Let us sit in. You're not fighting with your kids. You're fighting for your kids. All the kids in the room right now, your parents are not fighting with you. They're fighting for you. I know in the moment it feels like, oh, they're just fighting with me. No, no, no. They love you. They, they want nothing but the best for you. And, and and their posture is they are fighting for you. They, they see danger ahead. They see something ahead. And the conversation is there to help you, not to hurt you. The conversation is them trying to fight for you. They are fighting for you. Now, parents, let me help you out with something. Let me help you out with something. The reason your kids are fighting back with you is because they are dealing with so much pressure, pressure at school, pressure with their friends, pressure to perform, pressure because of what culture is doing and telling, the, telling kids how they're supposed to be. And the reason they're fighting back with you is they don't know who else to fight with. They're not gonna fight with their friends. They're gonna fight with you because you're there. So as they fight with you, you need to understand that they're fighting pressure more than they are fighting you. They just don't know how to fight. So they're fighting with you because you're there. Some of you are always there. (laughs) We'll talk about that more later. But some of you are just there, like just there. And so they're fighting with you, not even letting them live. You're breathing down their necks, and they're fighting with you. No, 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 I'm fighting for them. And they're not fighting with you as much as they're fighting the pressure. You're just in the room. And so they're fighting with you. But we have to have this posture and know that we are not fighting with our kids, we are fighting for our kids. And and we have to get to this place where we learn to fight in a way that they understand that we are fighting for them. There's this passage in Ephesians that helps us understand what fighting is like. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So some of the fights that you're fighting with your children are spiritual. You catching this lighthouse? And you need to know when it's a spiritual battle because your kid's not broken You're just dealing with something in the spiritual. Your kid's not trying to be difficult. You're just dealing with something in the spiritual. And you cannot fight a spiritual battle through earthly methods. You've got to become spiritual. And you have got to pray. And you have got to fast. And you have got to take a posture of faith and believing and warring in the spirit for your child. Because here's what you need to know. I want you to write this down. Your children want you to fight for them. They may not say it, but they want you to fight for them. They don't know how to communicate it, but your kids want you to fight for them. Your kids don't want you to stop fighting for them. Your kids need you to keep fighting for them. And so many parents check out. On their kids oh you're physically in the room but you are not present emotionally you are not present spiritually and you're there but you're not there and they just want to see you there because the things about kids is this they don't want you but they know that they need you let's say that one more time okay i know it's a loaded statement they don't want you but they need you They need you and they know that they know that so there's this tension that they live in because here's here's what kids want to do they want to figure things out on their own but they want your help when they can't they they, want to do it alone until they can't and when they can't they need to turn around and know that you're there they need to turn around and know that mom and dad will be there for me sometimes mom and dad are like you want to do it on your own go do it on your own (laughs) <laughs> and then the kid fails and was like, I told you. That's not what they need in that moment. They don't need you to be their friend. They need you to be their parent. And that's a big difference. My dad, my dad had this line that he would say to me all the time. He goes, Josh, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your father. Because right now, you don't need a friend. You need a father. Later in life, when you're older and more mature, I'll be your friend. But now, I'm going to be your father because you need a father. Listen to me. Your kids, they, they, they want the space to try new things but they need you there when they don't succeed. They they don't want to be told what to do, but they really appreciate positive direction that you give them. Do you guys see the tension that your kids are dealing with? They they want some freedom, but they know they can't do it alone. And, I, and parents, you have got to figure this out and know what they are trying to do. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into next week, but I'm going to be talking about the different development stages of children. And, and a kid who is between zero to five years old, they're in the age of discovery. They're just discovering things. But then from six to 10, now they're in the age of testing. I just set some parents free right now. You're wondering why your kids are acting up, and I got two, in te- I got two kids testing me back at home. Because from six to 10, guess what they're doing? They're testing. They, they were discovering the world, and now they're testing. And listen to me, you don't like the testing. In the church, we don't do a good job with the testing. We're like, don't test. But wait a second, God wired them to test. And as parents, we're like, don't test. And that's not what our response should be. And because after testing, what happens is a kid draws conclusions. So when a kid turns about 10 years old, they start drawing conclusions on what they just tested. That's why the happiest people on this planet are 10-year-old kids. (laughs) <laughs> you a, you're, get around a 10-year-old kid. See how happy they are. Why? Because they're done discovering. They're done, drawing, con, they're done testing. And now they've drawn conclusions. And then I'll talk more about what happens next. Because then they hit pu- puberty and everything resets. More to come. More to, more to come. But, but I want you to hear me, mom and dad. That cycle actually repeats itself two more times in a person's life. And so when you have a teenager, they are in the thick of testing again which is why between six to nine years old, they're, they're testing you. And then it repeats itself once they get into high school. And mom and dad, you have to let your kids test. They're wired to test certain things. And mom and dad, you'd be wise to let them fail every now and then. It gets really quiet. Because some of you, you know what I mean? You're like, no, you don't want your son or daughter to fail. And I get that. Your kids are growing up with granite countertops. I get that. If you don't know what the reference is, how many parents in the room did you grow up with granite countertops in your home? I didn't. But guess what my kids have? Granite countertops. Meaning they have it better than I had it. And while that's a great thing, everybody wants their kids to have it better than we had it, right? Every parent would say, yeah, I want them to have it better than I had it. But you have to let them fail. They're testing. This is how they are able to draw conclusions. If they never fail, they won't know how to fail. And in life, everybody fails. I was having this conversation just yesterday with my friend. I said, I love reading these books about what it takes to become a Navy SEAL. Navy SEAL, the the most elite fighting force in the country, right? Did you know that failure is built into the development of someone becoming a Navy SEAL? It's called roll downs. And no one makes, no one becomes a Navy SEAL without having been rolled down at least once. Meaning, no one becomes a Navy SEAL without having failed once. Why? Because failure is part of their development. And in the same way, mom and dad, as your kids are testing, you have to let them fail. No, I'm not saying you're going to let them do something just so bad that it's going to end their life. We're not talking about that. But mom and dad, you can't be there to put a, a, a pillow underneath their bottom every time they fall. You have to let them struggle a little bit. The necessity of, it's called the necessity of struggle, and it births character in your kids. And so your children, they, they want you to fight for them, but just know they want you they don't want you, but they know that they need you and they're living in that tension. Let me give you the last one and I'm gonna come to a close now. This is the last one, okay? The opposite of fighting is not peace. And I know some of you are like, I just don't wanna fight with my kid. And I have been there. Come on, parents, let's be honest. How many of you just threw in the towel on a fight? You're like, I'm just done. I'm so done. But here's the deal. The opposite of fighting is not peace. The opposite of fighting is the wilderness. The opposite of fighting is the wilderness. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua's in the wilderness. He goes into the Promised Land. Joshua's first battle is the Battle of Jericho. Y'all know the story. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. All those kids' songs. And where are my Sunday school kids that know the song, and, and you know, the walls come tumbling down. It, it, it was a rout. The, the Joshua and the children of Israel they defeated a very very big enemy, like a big big enemy. It was like it was like wow. Look at what we were able to accomplish together. Now. Then they had to fight and take a city by the name of Ai. It's spelled A-I, Ai. And, uh, and, and it's a small city. And because they had just taken out Jericho, this should have been easy. So they come to Joshua and they say, okay, Joshua, we got to take Ai. Who should we send? I'm going to paraphrase. Should we send the Navy SEALs? Should we send the Army Rangers? Joshua's like, nah, send the National Guard. This is easy. You know, don't, don't send the elite. Send the National Guard. We got this. So Joshua sends a small army to fight with Ai, and they get routed. Just routed. It makes no sense. It's kind of like the San Diego Chargers. They beat all the good teams and lose to the bad ones. Anyway, moving on. Um, (laughs) That that was like the children of Israel. They, They had just defeated Jericho. They just defeated the Bengals. And in comes the Houston Texans. Come on, somebody. Goodness. I had to bring some humor into the room, now y'all tracking with me. Here comes the Texas, no, here comes AI, and this should have been an easy win, and they lose. Joshua had a choice in that moment. Parents, listen to me, and here's the application. He either says, we're done fighting, and we go back to the wilderness, and we go back to wandering, or we stay and we fight. And Joshua made the decision, we're going to stay, and we're gonna fight. Yes, we took a loss. And parents, you will take losses, but don't stop fighting for your family. You're going to take some losses along the way. Don't stop fighting for your kids, because here's what happens. When you just say, I'm done fighting with them, it's not to bring peace into the house. The op- if you stop fighting, your kids go into the wilderness. Should you hear me, mom and dad? If you stop fighting for your kids, then your kids are headed to the wilderness where they live life without purpose. Life without direction. And what, what, what did they do in the wilderness for 40 years? They walked in circles. They just walked in circles. And mom and dad, if you don't stay in the fight, if you do not fight for your family, if you do not fight for your kids, your kids will live life walking in circles. Just walking in circles. And so my hope and prayer for you, Lighthouse Church, is we just get started, and we are just getting started. There is so much in this series. I do not know how long we're going to be in this, but there's a lot to talk about. My hope and prayer for your Lighthouse Church, is that you would just step into the fight. Step into the fight. And I want to teach you how to fight. Because what I don't want to have happen is to see your son die by friendly fire. Die by friendly fire. I don't want to see your marriage be the tragedy of friendly fire. I don't want to see your relationship with your kids die as a result of friendly fire. I want you to stay in the fight. I want you to stay committed to the fight. I want you to learn how to fight. And that's what we're going to be teaching you over the next few weeks, that you would learn how to fight for your family. Right there, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to pray with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for everyone that is here. I thank you, God, for how you are moving. I thank you, God, for your presence that is in this place. God, as we're just getting started with this series, I, I just pray that someone would be awoken to the fact that there is a real fight happening. And maybe, God, our kids are young and we're not in that season yet, but it is coming, and when it comes, we need to be prepared. When that season comes, we need to be ready ready to fight for our kids ready to fight for our families ready to fight for our marriages and I believe God that you can equip us I believe God that you can put in us everything we need so that we can not only fight the fight but we can stand victorious in the battle and so God I pray that wisdom would just begin to flood every home I pray God for the power of your Holy Spirit to invade every home God and that you would teach us God how to war And that you would teach us how to fight. That you would teach us, Lord God, how to fight for our kids when there is a world that is trying to take them. When there is a world that is trying to take them in an opposite direction than the plans that you have for them. May we see it. May we discern it. And may we step in the fight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand up on your feet right now? We're going to enter into a time of worship. Hopefully into a time of ministry. Was this helpful for any of you parents in the room? I hope this was helpful for some of you that we see there's a fight happening and that we know how to fight and that we learn how to fight and that we equip ourselves for the fight I'm believing that we're going to see our families come out of this stronger than ever before but but I really really want to see men and women wake up to what is going on prepare yourselves for the battle because here's the thing God's already said the victory is yours but you got to step in the fight. God's already said that the victory is yours, but you got to step into the fight. Come on, let's worship together. We're going to end this on some worship right now. And I don't know what your prayer request is, but whatever your prayer request is, come on, lift those hands towards heaven and let's just worship our Father together and let's just believe that he's hearing us today.